0: This is a special ARM podcast as we speak with session presenters and keynote speakers from the ARM conference. I'm Bill Klaproth and with me is Richard Perrin, CEO of Active Innovations. His roundtable discussion was on strategies for UDI and supply chain management, past, present, and future. Richard, thank you so much for joining me. It is great to talk with you. So let's talk about that roundtable discussion and break it down, past, present, and future. So let's start with the past. Can you give us the brief history of the UDI rule?
1: Sure. There's there's a lot that we could say about the history of the UDI rule, but it goes back to a congressional action that was taken in the early part of, of uh, 2005, 2006, 2007 timeframe, and there was a call from Congress to really look at how to improve the tracking of medical devices and how the FDA could act on that and put together some sort of a structure for looking into the future with medical devices becoming more complex over time. So from the 2006, 2007 timeframe, there were some calls for public meetings held in in Maryland, and out of that grew a group of people who really fostered the development of the UDI rule. And finally, the UDI rule came into being in 2013-2014 with the requirement for medical devices to be marked by manufacturers with a a unique device identification capability that could be machine read, auto identification, barcode type thing as well as human-readable to track medical devices that were used for patient care, patient treatment, et cetera.
0: Okay, Richard. Well, thank you for uh, giving us the brief history of that. So you said in 2013, 2014, the UDI kind of was adopted for better tracking. So take us to the present now. We're in 2021, nearing 2022. What has happened then over the past six or seven years since that adoption?
1: Well, the rule when it was promulgated and and it was a set of regulations that were put out by the FDA were structured to provide first and foremost for different classifications of items with the ones that were considered to be the most important were those that were used in direct placement in the patient for treatment uh, of particular conditions, for example, uh, pacemakers or stents or shunts that would be used for cardiac procedures anything that would be used in the body that was considered to be the most important area to tackle first as a recall process so that when there was a problem with those items whether it was from a particular manufacturer or from a provider who had identified the problem with the item that it could be very rapidly uh, brought to the attention of clinical care providers and the items could be recalled for uh, the manufacturer to either replace the item or to uh, update the instructions that were associated with the item. And since the rule was, was first promulgated or first passed, brought into regulation, the the strategy was to use first the most uh, important items, the, the classes for those items that could cause injury or possible death and then move to the second tier of items that would be used in patient care. And finally today, we're looking at the classes of items that are used in more of a standard type of care for patients in home or, or over-the-counter type things. Mm-hmm. So it, it was really working from the most difficult or the most potentially serious items to those that are less potentially dangerous to the patients over time and over time the quantity of items that have been placed on the recall list has grown considerably as you would expect because we started out with those items who are most expensive and most likely to cause injury or death to those that are are now used for more routine healthcare activities
0: so that's a great look at where we're at today so I'm going to ask you to look into the crystal ball now, your crystal ball, Richard. Where are we going in the future with uh, UDIs? Where do we go from here? What do you think is going to happen?
1: Wow, looking out to the future, it's always a great thing to think about. The innovations that are coming down the path and how we can deal with those things. There's a couple of things that stand out in my mind. One is that the use of UDI that was fostered by Congress and the FDA in the early 2000s and, and into the last 10 years is now being picked up around the world. So there is this process of linking UDIs, the Unique Device Identification Standards, for items that are manufactured worldwide, but are also used throughout the world in in different countries. And it's based on what was done by the FDA in the the last 10 years or so. And so now we're seeing that picked up by the European communities and the Southeast Asian communities and, and other parts of the country countries around the world to really foster the same type of approach to enhancing the quality of patient care. Same time, in the U.S., the process is becoming much more uh, prevalent with the use of clinical medicine being advanced by artificial intelligence and machine learning so we can really see what's happening with items as they're being used in patient care
0: which is really important and an important benefit of this. So, Richard, you've given us the history, you've given us the present, and you've given us the future. Can you talk about how all of this has impacted the cost in a beneficial way as well?
1: Well, I think the key thing there is that we, we had a study that was done with a work group under the ARM Learning UDI community that really focused on different sectors of the uh, supply chain to see where the costs were and how the costs were incurred across the system. So we looked at manufacturers, distributors, group purchasing organizations, information technology providers, and of course providers at the end of the supply chain where the items are actually used. The rule as it was promulgated was really first focused on manufacturers providing the UDI labeling on the devices that they manufactured and distributed. And from there, that information flows through the supply chain ultimately to the provider and to the patient. The issues that we uncovered during our study during the past year and a half, two years, was really that the process of getting the automated systems, the information systems aligned so that we could capture the UDI information and then rapidly assimilate it on a recall process and find out where the items were, was somewhat difficult. And the manufacturers were required to do it, but there was no concomitment uh, standard for the providers to do the same thing. So the providers have been lagging a bit in terms of the acceptance of the UDI standards, but they certainly are doing more with that today because it is clearly much more important in terms of the quality of patient care that is achieved today. Right. The costs that are associated with it are, are pretty significant. And by automating the systems and by automating the capture, you can really reduce the amount of time and effort the physical effort and the manpower that is required to track an item at the provider point of use or in the hospital or across the supply chain at the point of care the other thing is is that the automated systems when you really incorporate the UDI into that process you can really use that to more rapidly identify patients who might be affected by having used certain items or having had certain items used in their care that they can be notified and and corrective actions can be taken to uh, really treat that patient in the most effective and in the highest quality of care manner
0: absolutely so let's talk about that high quality of care and how the adoption of the udi rule certainly has helped improve the quality of care can you talk about that
1: sure i think one of the things that has happened over the past couple of years obviously is with covid And with that, there have been a lot of items that have been granted exceptional use authorization from the FDA, and those fall into a different domain. And so there are multiple databases that have to be reviewed and checked to make sure that you've got all the items identified for recall activities. In terms of costs, the most important items are still those who are in the highest use for in vivo in vitro use in in patient care activities, and those are really the ones that are the more costly items and also the ones that are more likely or potentially likely to cause injury or or, uh, adverse effects on patient care activities. So when you talk about reducing costs, those are really the ones we really want to focus on first and foremost.
0: Right, and that quality of care you're talking about certainly has got to be enhanced by the capture of real-world evidence, right, that you're getting from the tracking of these devices. This really supports outcomes research, which, again, can help patient care.
1: I think certainly that is one of the key elements of the whole FDA's promulgation of the UDI rule was to be able to track the use of items and to then contribute to uh, the improvement in the quality of care by identifying those items that were most effective and those items that were least effective in, in care modalities. So I think that around the world, that's really what we're seeing today is it's, that trend is being picked up by other countries in promulgating rules and regulations similar to the UDI, but it really is designed to enhance the quality of care so you've got better information. And certainly with, with machine learning or big data, you can go in and you can drill down and you can see what the outcomes are from the use of particular items and that really improves the quality of care that's provided today right and in the future
0: yeah absolutely well richard thank you so much for your time anything else you want to add about this
1: i think the thing that is most important is for people to go back to the rmluc uh site website and look at some of the information that's provided in some of the write-ups there the Papers that have been promulgated or have been produced there are listed as white papers on the RMLUC site, and there is a tremendous amount of information on policies and procedures and best practices that individual organizations can use in, in really improving the quality of care to achieve better outcomes and, and better financial performance for their organizations. So that would be one thing that I would leave you with today and and to go have people take a look at those reports to see what's out there because there's a wealth of information Mm -hmm. thank you so much for your time
0: yeah thank you richard this has really been informative and great wrap-up and uh, thank you for those suggestions those really will be helpful so thank you again for your time we appreciate it
1: all the best thank you
0: and once again that's Richard Perrin and for more education like this please go to the ARM Knowledge Center at arm.org/knowledge-center and ARM is A H R M M thanks for listening